Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business. And Kasim, I just realized we never really celebrated our 500th episode. We just completely blew by it. Me and you didn't get together, have a big cake, pop some champagne, you know, run around Scottsdale naked in the streets, which probably everybody's doing right now because it's like 118 degrees there. I mean, I don't know how you can actually wear clothes, but we didn't do anything for our 500th. So maybe we can kind of celebrate with our guest here today for today's show. But I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I know that made you very sad. It's not too late to run naked through the streets of Scottsdale, I will say. As a matter of fact, I think people avail that opportunity at random times, Ralph. If you walk around Whiskey Row, they don't need invitations. It just happens. Well, it's 118 degrees out there right now, which I... In the shade. I, in the shade. Oh, it's not, it's not even like, you know, catching rays in the sun. No, I could bake cookies in my shoes. It's the real deal. That's unbelievable. I know. You're sick. You're crazy. Well, I like you're it crazy. because the Midwestern folks leave. They scurry away like rats on a sinking ship. They go back home, traffic opens up. I'm no longer worried about just getting like mowed down by, I'll save you the stereotype, but you know who you are. <laughs> well, you're a true Southwesterner, really. Oh, like the desert rat, for sure. Yeah, you're the desert rat. And uh, you're like the cockroach that can't be killed in the nuclear meltdown, like 118 degrees. You're like, eh, whatever. Well, that's what's so funny is this is the hottest month in like 115,000 years or something. I just read this this morning. True story. I had the article pulled up. If I can find it, here we go. This month is the planet's hottest on record and the hottest in around 120,000 years. And this is CNN.com. So who knows how reliable that information is. But here's the cool thing about being a Phoenician. It doesn't matter to us. Everybody else is freaking out. We're like, we've been through the gauntlet. It's like in Batman when Bane says that you merely adopted the darkness I was born into it. Mm-hmm. Yes. If the darkness were the heat, that's every Phoenician. Yes, that's what he said there. Awesome. That's a pretty good, Ralph. It's a very, it's a very bad Bane. I'm going to work on my Bane. Bane. But all right. Well, it's just, I just don't get it why you live out there because it's like it's 87 degrees Boston, here. God tries to kill you every winter. It's 87 degrees here and people are freaking out. It's the front page headline of like the Boston Globe. It's like, it's over 90 for five days in a row here. You'd be like, child's oh, play. Child's Please. play. It's like winter temperatures. So, anyway, well, speaking of hot, we have a hot topic here today. That's my job is to do the segue. <laughs> that was a good segue, Rob. Blazing hot. Hot enough you can put popcorn in a mailbox, like hot, and then 10 minutes later come back and it's still corn in the mailbox. I guess you put corn in the mailbox and then yeah, the popcorn reverse pops. That. Reverse that. Because I did actually see, see I that in know Texas. Popcorn works. 
<laughs> oh, you don't put the popcorn in, and no, and then it turns back to corn. I mean, probably that's what it, it does. Melts if it's actually it melts. You yeah. put the popcorn I think in. Popcorn is the last <laughs> stage. I don't think there's a further evolution to popcorn. I could be mistaken. I didn't go to college. I don't know what it is. It just turns brown and black and disintegrates into ash. But anyway, we're talking about hot topics here, hot weather. And Morgan Gist McDonald is here today to teach us all the only way to sell your book on Amazon and also get them to build your email list. That's a pretty bold statement, I would say. Custom, but you are an example of her brilliance. And our good friend, common friend, Greg Smith, is the same. I am not. I have a book that's floundering on Amazon. Maybe we can get some tips on that. Point is, is uh, pretty excited to have her here today talking about this. And as we do with every guest that comes on Perpetual Traffic, we put them immediately on the spot to give us a solid nugget to how you, the listener, can make immediate gains by listening to our little show. So welcome to Perpetual Traffic, Morgan. And what is your nugget? Thanks, Ralph. Thanks, Cosm. Okay, so if you are going to go through the pain and effort of putting a book on Amazon, or you already have, you can actually use Amazon to help not only sell your book, but get leads onto your email list. If you think about Facebook traffic, there's an equivalent on Amazon. You click on a Facebook image ad, you're taken to a lead magnet, someone joins your email list. Amazon, it can function the same way. Someone sees your book cover on Amazon, they click, they look inside, and there should be a way to join your email list right there at the front. And there's a couple of gotchas here. One, it needs to be a QR code. Amazon no longer allows that link to be clickable from the look inside. It's got to be a QR code. And it's got to be in the front of the book, 10%. And it's got to be in the intro or the preface, which needs to be linked in your table of contents. So that look inside jumps straight to that page where your QR code is and give the people something free, something great, just like we always do when we're driving traffic. And people who don't even buy your book, they'll think that they're getting this awesome free thing. And you just got another email lead onto your list. That is a killer tip. I just want to shout that out. Brilliant. One of our best nuggets ever. I would have to say it's right up there. Top 10. What's great about it is it's so easy and so impactful. That's what you want out of a nugget. You know, it's not a huge lift at a QR code. And for every book I've ever bought on Amazon, I immediately use the look inside feature. I don't, I'm sure yeah. everybody else is the exact same way. That's just the prereq. I called Morgan. We were about to launch you versus Google. I didn't call her soon enough. I didn't know her when we started writing it, but when we were about to go live, she gave me a bunch of really good tips. That was one of them. And we got a few thousand emails and I pushed the book insanely hard, but I think we got more emails than we got purchases, which makes sense. You know, more people are willing to go take up. What I like about it is they think they're being sneaky. You know, like anytime anybody thinks they're being sneaky, they're just more likely to kind of like, oh God, I got you. I didn't have to buy the book and I still get all the free resources from the book. But really it's us being sneaky. Well, you're being sneaky together. It's a win-win all around. So what do you typically offer? What's the taking this juicy nugget, making it even juicier? The thing that they get, how do you sell it to them? Is it bonuses from the book? Like what should people kind of utilize? And then we'll obviously leave links in the show notes where I suppose you can buy Cosm's book. Well, actually, we'll leave links in the show notes for Greg's book because I like Greg much more. It's a better book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a better book anyway. So, but what should it be? Is it bonuses? Is it, what do you recommend there? My freebie is the audiobook. 
Mm-hmm. You can get an audiobook from me. And of course, it's as simple as just emailing them the MP3 file. <laughs> and I'm That's sending them cool. the audiobook, but it has an actual value, right? People are like, oh, I kind of wanted the audiobook anyway, and now I don't have to buy it. Hilariously, I do still sell books through Audible. So I don't entirely know the consumer psychology on that, but that converts really well. If you go to you versus Google, Cosm's book, you'll see a whole bunch of resources, a whole page of resources. And then that QR code right there, I think that's fantastic. Any sort of fast track, mini course, we've done meditations, any sort of printable worksheet, even workbooks. We work with coaches, consultants, speakers, folks who teach methods and they're always like, I want a workbook. And it's like, fantastic. Let's do a workbook. We'll make it a PDF and we'll put it for free at the beginning of the book. That's another great lead magnet, basically, at the beginning of the book. That's great. That's fantastic. I love well, the workbook idea too. For a lot of our listeners are going to be in a situation where they're you know, potentially B2B or even a B2C realm that's maybe a little more intense as far as what it is that they're offering. And so a book is potential action. A workbook is the thing that would catalyze that action. That's really fun accompaniment. I think that would be the terminology, accompaniment. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. Wow. It's the Look heat. at you. Look at you. Using big words. It's yeah. Incredible. It's almost like wow. I live in the Northeast. I can drink lattes now with my pinky out. Hey, you know. Wear white pants, loafers. You're always welcome. No, no, no. No white after Labor Day. Just to make no, sure that you understand. Yeah, that's the rule. It's the rule. Why do Otherwise, you have you- Labor Day? None of you work. You will, you will just get sit around done. playing croquet and just hang out in the Kennedy Mansion. Like that's yeah. what we do pretty much. Like that's the life up here. That's what I thought. You it know, is. Eat like Vikings, drink like Kennedys. That's our whole role in Massachusetts in the Northeast. Uh, we're going to get into uh, actual stuff that helps you, the business owner, through dominating Amazon with Morgan on today's show. And obviously, the QR code is a huge way to build the list. But how do you actually sell your book on Amazon? Well, it changes. And there's lots of things that we're going to get into here today. If you have a book, Either you haven't written it yet or you've written it and you're sort of struggling to get to that next level and also leveraging that to build your business and to grow your customer base. And obviously, a lot of agency owners that listen to this show, what they can potentially do to differentiate their agencies. We are going to get into that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com 
forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. We're back. I wanted to share an example of what Morgan's talking about. If you're listening, you can always watch at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And what I'm looking at right now is the Amazon listing for my recent book, You versus Google. And what you'll notice is one of the primary prompts in Amazon is to look inside the book. It's actually highlighted pretty well, I think, especially with their use of color. Amazon's really good at keeping everything sterile. And so you'll notice that the only thing that ever has a bright color to it in Amazon is a call to action, like look inside or add to cart. And when I click on the thumbnail of the book, which by the way, I do for almost every book I ever buy before I buy it, Morgan said, you have to put a lead magnet. So I have the cover, the title page, and then bam, a great big stop sign and a collection of resources that people can have along with a QR code for them to access those resources. And again, if they're playing the look inside game, they think they're being sneaky when they come steal my resources, but that's exactly what I want them to do. So I think this was a killer tip, Morgan. I really appreciate your help here. And I hope that our listeners, even if you've already published a book, how hard is it to go in and this? Is it uber difficult? Super easy. I mean, find someone on Fiverr, they can update your files for you. You can do just the ebook if you really want to, but obviously you can do ebook and paperback. And now with KDP print, they do ebook, paperback and hardback. Nice. And for those of you listening, if you don't know who Morgan is, she's a legend in her field. She's the author of a book, Start Writing Your Book Today, over 1,800 reviews on Amazon. She's the founder of Paper Raven Books. She also spoke recently at the Driven Mastermind in Scottsdale. She had a phenomenal reception there. And so I thought we have to get her on. She's helped me launch my book. She's helped my business mentor launch his book. She's about to help Ralph fix his book. And it might even happen live on this show. Well, I suppose I'll probably have to pay her some money too. So, but yes. Well, that was the trap yeah, we were setting well, for Ralph. Uh, that's right. Well, we'll leave links obviously in the show notes how you, you can get in touch with Lauren. I don't know what that is. Cossum. Fire alarm's going. I wonder why. It's only 127 degrees there. I can't imagine your house not catching fire today. No alarms going off in my house, Cossum. Just saying. 87 degrees. My roof isn't on fire. He'll be back shortly. <laughs> Wait to see if Cossum's ever coming back or if he's actually just fleeing his house because right. it really is on fire. The, sh- the show must go on. All right. Well, we lost Cossum because his house is on fire, apparently, because like I said, it's it's pretty hot in Scottsdale today. So, Morgan, take us through how you work, what you do. Give us sort of the broad landscape of selling on Amazon right now. I think there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of air quoting gurus out there that'll teach you how to do stuff. And what I've found is a lot of them don't know what the hell they're talking about, but they'll take your money. So give us sort of the broad view of like Amazon today and how you've been able to leverage it not only for your own book, but also just for business owners that might be listening to the show here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. And I have to say, Ralph, this is a tremendous honor. Like I have been a perpetual traffic listener for years and years and years. So to actually be in the room with you and Cossum is pretty amazing. So yeah, really thank you for having me on. Sucking up um, always works here. 
at PT. So I appreciate that. So book publishing is a huge opportunity, right? I mean, the global book publishing industry is like a $132 billion industry. So that's just selling books. And a lot of people want a book, either for authority, credibility, speaking, or just to bring more business. We talked about this before we hit record about agencies, you know, being able to use books as well as founders, business owners, that sort of thing. So what we do is we can actually help people through the whole process. We can help with developing the content, either book coach, if you want to write it yourself, ghostwriter, if you prefer not to, editing the book, designing the book, cover, interior, description, title, subtitle, all that stuff, plus the keywords and categories that you're going to need when you actually publish the book. And we can get into that a little bit because on Amazon, keywords and categories, of course, are tremendously important. And then we also help with more, what you might think of as a more traditional launch. So podcast tour, endorsements, book awards, running traffic during an actual book launch. So we kind of create custom packages for our authors who we're working with. And you know, many of them want to either grow their business or do some speaking. We kind of help make sure that it's in alignment with what they actually want to get the results. Why are we even doing this book? <laughs> you know, what's, what's mm-hmm. the point of this book? What are we hoping to get out of them? And so we kind of help mentor them through that whole process. So in the case of, let's use Greg's book as an example. I mean, obviously he had a really successful book launch. He was on the show. We'll obviously leave links in the show notes back to that show. So what's the key to all of this is obviously is the writing of the book. And I know in Costum's case, we didn't write a damn part of that book, but it is. I wrote the title. You wrote the title. How dare you? But he had some very smart people on his staff. He oversaw the whole process. But if I say to myself, all right, I'm a business owner. I want to write a book, but I don't have time to write a book. Like, how do you actually go about doing it? We're looking at this and book funnels are still a thing. If you think they've died, they have not died. They are very effective ways of bringing people into your world to potentially buy your products and services, maybe on the back end. An important thing to do is other businesses that just write books. I write one book and I want to just keep writing books. And then that leads to getting on stage, authority, brand building, all of that. But let's say we're using a book specifically for the purpose of growing a business. Take us through your process if I don't even have the thing written as of yet, but you know kind of the end goal. Like, sounds like you start with the end in mind. And in Cosm's case, it's obviously it's about Google because he has a Google ads agency. All right. Duh. All right. That's pretty good. But there's other owners that maybe don't want to necessarily talk about, like I've been asked many times to write like a Facebook ads book. And I've said no many times. First off, it's just, I don't want to be known as that, but we have an agency that does a lot of stuff on social ads. I have no interest in being a social ads guru per se, but we're looked at that. So how do you decide where to go if you know what the end result is? And like you said, it's all about like what the owner wants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we would start with developing the content of the book, typically. Again, we can either coach people through if they want to write the book themselves or loop in a a ghostwriter. But you want to think about when someone reads this book and they get to the end of the book, what do you want the next step to be? You know, you want that congruency, just like with any funnel, right? And, Mm. And you did mention, Ralph, book funnels. And I'm happy to talk about book funnels. I still, even though we run book funnels, I run a book funnel, I still recommend Amazon as your first sort of foundational step in launching a book well, because people are going to go to Amazon to look for the social proof. So you want that Amazon sales page optimized, high converting, stacked with social proof. And so we usually will, even if we're considering it sort of a quote unquote soft launch, we're still going to try to optimize everything to use that Amazon sales page. Because 
there's an enormous amount of traffic on Amazon, particularly in the bookstore. And Amazon sells more than 90% of the ebooks globally and more than 60% of the paperbacks and hardbacks. And that's not even including the audiobooks. Book data is very funny. It's all like behind giant enterprise like databases that you have to like pay tens and tens of thousands of dollars for. And Amazon doesn't even contribute all of its data to those databases. So it's very interesting to try to wrap your arms around how much of the market does Amazon have. And if it's global and it's $132 billion of book sales, Amazon having even, let's conservatively say half, <laughs> you know, is a lot of the book sales and a lot of the eyeballs, a lot of the traffic. And you don't get that traffic unless you have a book on Amazon. So that's where we start. We start with, okay, we want this book to be congruent with where the author's going. I would delineate, like we're not, you don't have to write a book out of obligation. You don't have to write a book because you learned a lot of stuff. Just because you learned a lot about Facebook ads doesn't mean you need to write the Facebook ad book, Ralph, to your point, because you would want to write it to where you're going. We could doodle ideas if you want to, <laughs> but uh, but you'd want to write it for when people read this book and they love it and they want to take the next step with me. I know what I want that next step with me to be. And that might be back-end products and services. That might be more books, you know, if you want to go that route. And we would develop the content that way. We can talk about the like writing process if you want. I don't know how much we want to get into that, but the broad strokes is I usually have people create an entire list of all the lessons, principles, frameworks they know they want to include in the book. It's a couple pages usually. And then a separate list of all the stories, case studies, illustrations that they would want to include in the book. For some reason, it's easier for us to brainstorm those things separately. And then we kind of like play a matching game. We're like, oh, okay, so this story actually helps to illustrate this point. Or we'll reorder things. Oh, well, I didn't think of that principle until I was getting to the end of my list. But actually, I want that to be at the beginning. So having it in list format helps us to kind of move things around, match things up. And I know a lot of folks will recommend a mind map. Personally, I don't know. That doesn't work for me or for a lot of the authors. I hate mind maps. They just confuse me. I just look at this blob of words and I'm like, well, how do I organize this now? It's a right. Reading a book is a linear experience. At the end of the day, you're going to have to get it into chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. And so for me personally, a mind map hasn't helped with that. I guess if you really love mind maps, make the mind map first and then put it in a list. I don't know. Um, but we get to the point that we have a long list of what's going to be written in the book before we really dive in and start writing. And that makes the writing process way more efficient. We coach people through writing books. It takes between 40 and 80 hours on average for writing the first draft of a book. And that's the 1.0 version. It's the messy draft. It's getting words on the page. It will be revised. It will be edited pretty significantly. But getting that 1.0 version on the page is something like 40 to 80 hours of actual writing. I love thinking about the book in terms of the funnel, not the book as a funnel, but where it fits inside of the funnel. And I think that far too often people write the book to write the book and just put it out and forget about it instead of using it as an integral part of their funnel. I mean, Russell Brunson might be the most prolific example of this. I know Ryan Lebeck did it too, but the the free plus shipping funnel was, was still to this day 20 years later, whenever that thing launched, one of the most effective marketing mechanisms the world has ever seen because people still value books. And what they did that was really smart, Ryan especially, I mean, Russell's books were great, but Ryan's books were a prerequisite to working with Ryan. If you've ever worked with Ryan Levesque, if you've ever worked with the Ask Method, 
you actually needed the book. And so it wasn't like, oh, I just put words on a paper so I could sell you, you know, them all stacked together. It was a true piece of value that's accessible. We all understand books. And for my CMOs and director of marketing folks out there, think about the position it puts your business in to be the company that wrote the book. You're no longer a service provider, you're an authority and you don't have to do it. There are services out there like Morgan's and we don't have to push our guests, but I had my director of marketing do it, Patience. She wrote the You versus Google book and she did it just by watching our YouTube videos. So I don't want people to feel like it's so massively inaccessible because if you set your mind to doing it, it's worth doing. And then, I mean, talk about an evergreen piece of content that, like you said, fits perfectly inside of the phone. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I actually worked closely with Ryan Levesque. I was coaching with him for about six years. So I worked with Ryan and his, yeah, really? and his CMO, Elliot Pittman. Yeah. And so I learned a lot. I love Ryan yeah, Levesque. He's amazing. He's amazing. And his business partner. Yeah. Was- we had him on the show. He was the most polished interview we have ever had in my entire life. You couldn't get him off of his soapbox. And I tried. I tried to like rattle him, but man, he should go into politics. He's brilliant. He's fantastic. But you learn a lot of like when you, if you go through that mental exercise of if I were to put together a book funnel, and for many of us listening to perpetual traffic, we very well might do a book funnel. So might as well think about it from the beginning. If I were to put together a book funnel, what would my bonuses be on the sales page? What would my bump be? What would my one-time offer number one be? What would my one-time offer number two be? What would my application call, you know, book a call? Go ahead and think through all of those things because that's the business. You know, at least that's a piece, perhaps a piece of the business that you might be building if it's not already built. We are here with Morgan Guest McDonald and we're getting into just the initial phases of this whole thing and how important it is, not only for business owners, but we always sort of think like, okay, well, it's Russell Brunson. He was obviously promoting ClickFunnels. It was Ryan Levesque. Everyone wants to say Levesque. No, it's Levesque. Levesque. If you really want to piss him off, say that. Levesque. You know, the ask method into his business. But what if you just have a book you want to put out there? Like a great example is one that maybe we can comment after the break is The Sober Entrepreneur by Russ Perry, who is it runs Design Pickle. And I was always like, why is he writing a book about that if he's selling mm. an agency that basically does design? So let's get into like how you really position it. Maybe there is something that's maybe to the side of that, that's more of an authority play, or it's potentially to launch a second part of your career, but really focusing in on how you can use this to drive track and obviously scale and grow your business. We'll get into that right after this quick break. All right. Welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. I asked you a question before the break about the sober entrepreneur. And I really like Russ Perry a lot, but why would you write that book when you're trying to sell like services design pickle? And I relate this back to my book, which is on Amazon, which is not really related to tier 11. I just got it out there, did it. But for him, my guess is that he's probably going in that direction, maybe as his next career, like in the self-improvement niche. It's a great book, by the way. So talk to me about that. The choice of the book really is important. And I think before we were talking about make sure that it's related to your end goal. But then I see a lot of people just putting books out there. It doesn't seem like it's related to anything. It's just like a personal interest. So maybe you can comment on that a little bit. Yeah. So if I were talking to Russ and he was telling about the sober entrepreneur, I would be asking, is this something you still want to be talking about three years from now, 10 years from now? Is it something that you might want to 
speak to people about occasionally, even if it's not your main sort of bread and butter business? Is it something that you are so passionate about that you want to talk to groups or maybe do an occasional workshop or retreat or something? You know, is it the thing that you want to keep talking about in the future? I think the book should pull you into your future. And then maybe this is a philosophical thing as well. I don't see a lot of folks getting much satisfaction and fulfillment from writing a book that they felt obliged to write. Like, oh, I learned all this stuff. I should put it in a book so other people know it too. Those books don't tend to go anywhere, right? Books don't have arms and legs and mouths. Like They, they really need someone to like carry it out into the marketplace. So I would ask Russ, like, is this something you want to do? Is you, do you want to carry this out? And he might. It might be a really important sort of like, he knows in his gut that this is who he is and who he wants to be out in the world sort of publicly. And so that's my guess anyway of the sober entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. You know, he's got 101 ratings on there. Like, obviously, the thing does really, really well. Let's talk about that. Like, that is one of the first things I think people click on. Like, how do you get that? How do you get reviews? How do you get momentum? Maybe even use either Greg Smith or Kasim's analogy of how they launched the book. It seems like that so much. And then obviously the reviews are the things that really power it and give it sustainability. So how does all of that work and what's the ideal way in which to make that ultimately sell more books, have more influence and scale and grow? Yeah. So if we want to use that Amazon traffic productively, we got to get the click. So when someone sees our book, they're scrolling through, they searched for something or they're browsing another book page. When they see our book cover, we want to get the click. Optimizing for that first click is really about the cover and the title and the subtitle. And a lot of people don't realize that the title and the subtitle have equal weight in like even the visual of Amazon. If we go look at Amazon right now and you're scrolling through that feed where people have searched or they're scrolling through the browsing bars, those horizontal browsing bars, the font size literally is the same for the main title and the subtitle. So use that space effectively because that's where people who are browsing, they're going to decide whether or not to click based on that title, subtitle. And uh, then the reviews. I mean, you're exactly right, Ralph, getting the star rating. You know, people ask me like, how many reviews do I need and why, basically? And so we talk about different thresholds. Like when you first come out of the gate, you got to get at least like 20 reviews really quickly. But then you want to be starting to get up into the 100, 500, 1,000 kind of range because it will pick up its own momentum kind of over time. And people say, why is that? Why that number? And I don't know if it's an algorithmic Thing or a consumer psychology thing. You know, algorithmically, does Amazon actually show your book more widely when you hit 22 reviews versus 12? Probably. I mean, that's my guess. Amazon doesn't publish its algorithm any more than anybody else does. But I think there's also a consumer psychology side of this. When people see that number sort of over some of those thresholds, they're more likely to say, ah, yeah, people do like this book. And so those are the first things we want to optimize. It's a couple ways to get reviews. First, I mean, you got to come out with a book launch team. And that's not going to be any surprise to anybody who's listening. We're all marketers. We don't mind, you know, putting together a campaign and driving some traffic. I do work with first-time authors who do struggle to put together a list of 50 to 75 people who they can send an advanced review copy to, ask them to leave a review. However, that's just critical to the initial momentum of a book. We definitely see that books that can get kind of 10 to 20 reviews right off the bat can scale up into those categories pretty quickly. Uh, so book launch team is essential. And then you want to think about what about after the first few days of the book launch? We always talk about like, 
you want to make sure you're getting all the juice out of your book launch team. And then people will come back to be our authors and like, Morgan, I've squeezed all my oranges. Like there's no more juice. <laughs> I hit everybody up with SMS. I hit everybody up with an email. I called them like my people showed up and this is the number I have. Now what? Well, one of the ways that we recommend getting reviews ongoing, and this is a huge part of why I have 1,800 reviews and more every week, is because that that freebie at the beginning, when people join that email list, there's a three email autoresponder sequence. First email delivers the freebie. Seven days after that is an email that's like, I hope you enjoyed the book. If you got any value from the book, reviews for independent authors are the greatest gift you can give. You know, please click here to leave a review. You want to link to the review page. So if you're looking at the Amazon, so if you're logged into Amazon, you're looking at your book sales page, there's a little button on the left-hand side that says, write a review. You want to click that link and you want to copy paste. Hey, do you want to work with the best client-focused agency in the world? I mean, one that helps purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision? Well, it's time you check out Tier 11 as a career choice. Right now, we are hiring for a lot of different positions, but the most important one right now is our client success owner. The CSO is one of the most important positions at Tier 11 because they're the linchpin between our clients and our team who ensures smooth communication and excellence in service delivery. When I built this company 10 plus years ago, I always wanted to have a virtual organization that has strong company culture and a client-centered focus that really took things to the next level, but also enabled purpose-driven businesses to achieve their vision through what we do every single day through customer acquisition amplification. So if this sounds like you and you have the skills required to be an awesome client success owner, head on over to tier 11 forward slash jobs, tier11.com forward slash jobs, fill out the CSO application. We'd love to talk to you about how you can take your career and our client success to the next level. That URL. Because anyone who's logged into Amazon, they click that link, it's going to take them straight to the first thing they see is the stars. If you can get them to click those stars, that's the minimum viable review. Like Amazon will let them leave only a star rating. And even if they, you know, they try to hit submit and their Amazon's like, oh, you have to submit a headline and they don't you still get the star rating. <laughs> so you do want to capture that write a review URL. And then there is still a third email because people forget. You could probably do more emails. I just happen to have three. That's what I decided on. It kind of sort of works. And so I left it at three. Um, but that third one goes out 21 days after the first one. And it just says, hey, hope you had time You know, now to finish reading the book. And you know, again, as an independent author, the biggest favor I could possibly ask you is to leave a review for me on Amazon so I can help get the word out. And so that really and truly for not only for me personally, but for every author that we publish when we set this up, they get reviews ongoing. It's not a tidal wave or a tsunami of reviews. However, it is like over time, every single time you promote the book in any venue, whether you're on stage, on a podcast, even when you do a book funnel, that's the craziest thing. Every time I, you know, increase ad spend on my book funnel, I get more sales from Amazon and more reviews on Amazon. So everything, you know, as long as you have that little autoresponder sequence in there, you will get more reviews every time you promote your book. That's a hell of a pro tip that they don't need a title or description for you to get the stars. I didn't know that. I've seen reviews on my books that don't have 
any context. And I always wondered, I thought maybe they were being imported from Goodreads was my assumption, but it sounds like that's not the case. They left a rating. They could go back and add. Like if they were logged into their account, they went back to your book, they clicked write a review, it would take them back to that same page and they could update it. So I'm sharing my screen right now. So definitely check us out over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube and see exactly what we're doing here. So we've got your book up. Obviously, this is desktop. I could just flip it over to the mobile if we wanted to. But I, I think what you're talking about is clicking on this here and then sending the link to this section, which is like the write a review. So you don't have to, like that was two clicks I had to do. I always think people are first off, never going to do what you ask them to do. People are lazy. Sorry, perpetual traffic listeners, just the way that it is. <laughs> and third, like make it as stupidly simple as possible. If you send them this link right here, and I guess we'll show it on mobile to sort of what it looks like. Most people will be doing this, I sort of have to assume, like on the app in most cases. Like if I clicked on, if I sent this link in an email and I'm on my phone, when I click it, and these are the tiny little details that we talk about oftentimes, it'll then open up in the Amazon app. Am I correct yes. in assuming that? Okay. Exactly. Got it. Got it. So... That's a and tiny just, little tip. If they just click those five stars and they don't do anything else on that page, they don't even hit submit, it still captures it. Wow. Oh, really? That's a that's killer. So you okay. have to reduce as much friction as possible to get them just to see those five stars because they're going to click the stars and then captured. So the call to action in that email, day three, and then maybe day 21, because people are going to forget, of course, is just like, hey, just click the star. It'll literally take you just a couple of seconds if you enjoyed the book. You know, it's a legitimate, you don't even have to put in a review. I didn't realize you could just put in the star without, and here I am, like a digital marketing guy, like you got to do both when in fact, you can just click the stars and you're on your way. If you have a couple extra minutes, you say, yeah, the book is great, blah, blah, blah write your little title, like I had to do that. Because I mean, like an Airbnb, for example, like they won't allow you to get out of there. Like you put in the star reviews and you have to complete the whole thing. It's such a pain in the ass. But on Amazon, they make it so simple. Exactly. People always wonder like, why are Amazon reviews getting so inflated? It's because they're making it really easy to leave a rating rather than a review. So a lot more people are leaving reviews now than there ever have been. That's so good. Do you offer incentives for people to do it? Like if you're having a hard time. That's illegal, Ralph. How dare like, I'm you? I'm not saying incentives like money. I don't know. Aside from the goodness of your heart. I know Hermosi's book when he first came out. He asked so many times during the book, I've, I left a review. I'm like, I'm going to help this guy out. You know, he's probably never going to make it. He's, he's probably <laughs> never going to be poor, all that big. Like, good book, though. Too many muscles. You know, he's, not, he's always going to be skinny and weak and have not very good beard. But then he grew the beard and then he grew some muscles. And then all of a sudden, he's like, he's the biggest thing. So, but the way he asked for it in the book was great. And I forget exactly what it was like. It was like every three chapters. Do you go that route? I mean, that's a good, we'll leave a link in the show notes for him because, you know, some someday he's going to get on the show, Kasim. I'm, conv I'm convinced. Are we going to let him do that? Let him do that? I don't know. We might be yeah. too big for him. Yeah. Being facetious I mean, it's a great example. I mean, Alex Hermosi's book has a lot of reviews for a nonfiction business book. Yeah. Um, I think 15, at this 000. point, he's cleared 5,000 reviews. I haven't checked recently. But I mean, to your point, Ralph, yeah, he asked for reviews in the book and that's 
a totally legitimate and great strategy. Many of us either don't feel comfortable doing that, or we don't want to sort of distract from keeping the reader engaged in the content. Another best practice is at the end of the book to ask folks to leave a review. You could easily put a link in a QR code at the end of the book if the review is what you really want. Or you could just link to another resource and then just email people and ask to leave a review. As with anything, you get one call to action. And a lot of times it's your call, your choice is going to be call to action to join the email list or call to action to leave a review. Got it. Yeah. Makes a whole lot of sense. Looking up Hormozzi's book right now, he's got 15,000 reviews. Whoa. Can you believe That's that? That's a lot of reviews. 15,637 reviews. That's like international bestseller level. And you have to imagine that no more than one in 10 people wrote a review, right? So he's ostensibly sold 150,000 books. Am I doing that right, Morgan? Do you think that's good math? Yeah, it may be even more than that. It's not one in 10. It's somewhere between one in 100 is when you're giving people the book who are sort of in your circle or your sphere of influence. Once you get out to kind of that cold traffic, it's close. It can be closer to one in a thousand. But you can increase that conversion by just asking for the review or dropping links to join your email list and using the email autoresponder to ask for reviews. But yeah, 15,000 reviews, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's even said on his podcast, he makes tens of thousands a month on his book sales alone. So to put this in perspective for our listeners, Robert Cialdini, who I always have thought of, he has over 5 million copies in print on his book Influence. Influence has 3,900 reviews. Wow. Right? Like that is crazy to me. I'm going to go look up The Seven Habits because that's my favorite book. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey has wow. 40 million copies sold, 11,500 reviews. Wow. So Harmozy has more reviews than Stephen Covey. More reviews than Stephen Covey's Seven that's, Habits. That's the power of a call to action. It's been in print for 30 uh, years. Uh, uh, yeah, really. I mean, you have to you have to assume that he hasn't sold as many as Seven Habits right. yet. Agreed. Agreed. Right, right, right. So he's just doing a way better job asking yeah. for reviews. And, but he asks consistently through the book, which it's the first time I had ever really seen that. Yeah. For the perpetual traffic listener, the thing that helps small independent podcasts more than anything else is a positive five-star review wherever you're listening. If you don't mind, take a moment out of your day. And if you want to reward Ralph and I, and, and, and the, you know, Morgan, I think would take this as a, as a personal compliment to her as well. Go give us a positive review, say some nice things, encourage other people to listen. Because in the spirit of Alex Formosi, if we don't ask, you won't do it. If you said that you listened to this episode with Morgan about books in your review. That would oh. be pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nice little pat on Morgan's back. And maybe we'd, we'd end up having to have her back. You could twist our arm to do a follow-up episode. So, we, haven't even, we haven't even touched keywords and categories, folks. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's... Yeah, I think I'm putting Ralph your, to sleep. Is your house on fire happening. still? Or just... <laughs> oh, we should, you know that what was I found an out? open loop. We should actually probably close that loop in this episode. Yeah. It wasn't a smoke detector. It was a bullshit detector. And it started going off right when Ralph started talking. I don't I don't know if there's a correlation or... So we have those everywhere. But yeah, if you're wondering about that, we sort of left you hanging. Cossum's house is not on fire, although I think your roof probably is on fire. But then we'd have to sing like some 80s tune about the roof is on fire at your house, which I don't think you were even born. I don't think you were even born then. The Bloodhound Gang. The roof oh, is on oh, fire. Look at you. Look at you going, going OG. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Keywords. 
You have a brilliant question you want to ask Morgan about keywords. Well, I don't think it's a question as much as it is just a statement, a lamentation, a, a depressing place of psychological weariness, which is the Amazon keyword game feels impossible. It feels impossible. Like Google generally gave us kind of like a hierarchy to go after. And Amazon, it feels to me, Morgan, and I don't have the tools that you have, but it feels like Amazon's like, best of luck to you. There's no data available whatsoever when you're choosing your, your keywords or your categories. Yeah, I will agree that keywords on Amazon are tricky. And I think that there's some special nuances to the book world because KDP has, like, you can search the Kindle store separate from where you might normally do your e-com shopping. We've only recently started trying to collaborate with some of the e-com folks who are using Helium and some of these bigger platforms to sort of compare notes because we have book keyword research tools, Publisher Rocket, for instance, by Dave Chesson is, is a big one. Publisher Rocket. Publisher Rocket is one. But the data is not always exactly the same as what you might get from like your standard e-com keyword research tool. And I don't entirely know why that is. I suspect it has something to do with the fact that the Kindle store and eBooks have a different keyword database or data somehow. Um, but yeah, it's spaghetti against a wall. And I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the some of the keywords that you might think are normal. I'm doing a presentation later today. So I was just doing a fresh run of, of keyword research. And I'm talking about a book by someone who's a coach. She works with people whose spouse has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. That was her story. And so she coaches people through that. And so you would think like Parkinson's, let's run that through the keyword. Nothing like sub 100 searches a month, which is, you know, basically that's wow. the, the tool's way of saying zero searches. I almost don't believe that. Do you think the tool's wrong or do you think that people just aren't searching for Parkinson's? I think they might be searching for Parkinson's in Google. I do think that the way that they use Amazon is a little bit different. And let me actually get straight over to the keywords that we're looking at. So stories about chronic illness is a keyword mm. phrase that was highly searched on Amazon, about 2,000 searches a month with very little competition. Stories about marriage and illness. Her book is about her husband. And are you using Publisher Rocket right now to see this? Yeah. Okay, so here's the evil marketer in me, Morgan, says this. I don't write the book and find the keywords. I find the keywords because you just said lots of views, no competition. So I'm going to go find all the keywords that have lots of views and no competition, and I'm going to find a way to write a book about those keywords. You totally can do that. There are folks who preach that up and down the street, and they're making money, and there are definitely folks that do that. My only concern with that is what brand are you building? Well, yeah, you're a charlatan, right? It's just like you're a hack who's just going wherever the wind blows, but that's another word for that as a marketer. <laughs> I do think you can accomplish both, right? I think you can write a book that serves you in the long term as an authority, as a credibility, you know, play, and you just match it with what the audience is looking for. If we're to use some Ryan Levesque terminology, that's perceived customization. It's still the product that you want to bring to market, but you might fine tune it, adjust it, change the messaging a little bit if you notice there's an angle in the marketplace to go after. It just needs to be in alignment with the goal of the writer. Like what's the ultimate step? I mean, if you can do both, you've found a pretty nice sweet spot. High search volume, low competition, and ideating a book through your team or your book team. And then ultimately, it will lead to the goal, which whatever that is, to grow your business or grow your agency or whatever it happens to be. Like That would be sort of the sweet spot of sweet spots. Yeah, exactly. Curiosity, Morgan, what other keyword tools? Like I'm looking at Publisher Rocket right now. It looks pretty cool. Is there anywhere you can give us just anybody who wants to go to school on these and maybe order the ones that you like the most? 
Yeah, uh, I can drop a resource for us in the show notes. Be awesome. Or like keywords that we found in case that's helpful. Oh, we'll make that a lead magnet. <laughs> Perfect. Um, another tool is KD Spy. That one's been around for a really long time. And another one is Merchant Words. I'll go back through and look through our arsenal and drop some links for y'all in the show notes. These are not just book related. These are Amazon. They are Amazon. And some of them will allow you to specify whether you're looking at books or Kindle eBooks. And some of them let you specify Kindle eBooks separate from books. Because even on the Amazon sales page, when you click on the paperback, it looks different than the eBook. They're Mm -hmm. actually kind of two different products that are merged onto one sales page. But one lives in books and one lives in Kindle eBooks. The thing that I've noticed with Kindle is um, the Kindle book, it pops up at leave a review, but it actually doesn't give me the opportunity to leave context. Mm-hmm. It just wants zero stars and then and then leaves me, which I think kind of further speaks to the Amazon ecosystem worrying more about the stars than about the title or description. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing to think about is categories, especially talking to folks who come from that kind of the traditional publishing world. They'll put books into big categories like your business and money, your health, fitness and dieting, your self-help. The problem is that when you launch a brand new book in a big category, Amazon will add momentum to the trajectory of your book. So if relative to the bestsellers in that category, your book is not competing, it's going down in that category it will add momentum to your downward trajectory. So what we recommend is going as deep as possible into a category. And some of those, you can hit number ones with 10 sales, 20 sales, 30 sales, or downloads. And actually on the Amazon platform, a conversion is a conversion is a conversion. If they download a free Mm -hmm. ebook, if they get the Kindle Unlimited, if they buy the a la carte ebook, if they buy the paperback, like they click that orange button, that's a sale. Right. Right. Even if it's a free ebook, it's a sale. So hmm. you get 10, 20, 30 of those in niche categories. You hit number one in that category. Yeah, we can celebrate. Yay, number one. I mean, that's great. But what we're actually doing is we are using that algorithm to get more visibility in the next category up. So if you've gone four categories deep, you hit number one in that fourth category, it will automatically trigger that upward momentum. We're going to add momentum to that upward trajectory and go into the one that's nested right above it. Now we're going to get shown more in that browsing bar um, and that sort of thing. So that's really why we recommend going very deep into those categories. Yes, hitting number ones is fun. We like to take screenshots and celebrate and share. It's awesome. Also, it does trigger the algorithm to show you more widely in the categories above. That's a killer tip. That right there. Do you have an example of one of those? Like I'm looking at Hormozzi's book right now. It's business and money, marketing and sales. Like where would, not really knowing the system, like going four deep, how would you sort of do that? Do you have an example of a recent one? Maybe Greg's book did this? Yeah, I was just looking at Greg's book. So he's, I want to say coaching and mentorship. So let me look and see what his nesting is. So he's inside of business and money is the big category. Mm -hmm. Underneath that is business life. Underneath that is motivation and self-improvement. So he's in a third category. Not all of them go four deep. Some of them go three deep and that's fine. Self-help actually often only goes two deep. So it depends on the big category that you're competing in. Also, anyone who has a book on Amazon, there was a recent change. You need to go into your ebook details today and update your categories because they completely redid their category system. You will still likely find the category that you want to be in, but they redid kind of the trees, sort of the branching logic, how it's laid out. We're discovering that if we don't update the categories, we're not getting the visibility that we wanted. When did they do this? June. 
Okay. Because I, I just launched my book, but I think I launched it after June. So I need to do that too. Yeah, I can help you do that if you want. But there's some tricky things like it will ask you when you're updating the categories. This is in the ebook details. It will ask you, is your book adult content? If you click yes, it is buried. Oh, mm, okay. It will not be Does adult content just mean porn? Is it just like sexually explicit? I would say click no. <laughs> it's for adults. Yeah, well, I was going to say because adult content no. could be, you know, if I do like psychology for adults and psychology for kids... I could get confused by that and think like, oh, this is the grown-up version, but... It buries it. If you click this is adult content, if you click that yes, it is buried. It will not be visible. So click no, this does not... What if somebody's looking for adult content? Like, you know, I'm out looking for Fifty Shades of Grey and I acknowledge that with the Amazon algorithm, does that help with my prioritization or Amazon just doesn't like adult content, period? Consistently, year over year, Amazon has been more stringent on erotic genres. So we think this is just one more move towards more stringent. So um, yeah, click no, this is not adult content. Click update categories, choose three new categories, go as deep as you can. And it'll have a scary message like this cannot be undone. Go forward anyway, <laughs> like, finish, finish, you know, updating and update those ebook details. But anyone who has a book on Amazon, I would do that today. This is so disappointing because I had a whole series of erotic Google ads books planned. So sorry, but TikTok. <laughs> it's going to be a big seller. Speaking of TikTok, speaking of TikTok, a good keyword to look for is book talk about because people are coming hmm. from TikTok and they are typing book talk into that search bar. You don't even Why? need to be on TikTok. Have you heard of book talk? No. What is book talk? Okay, this is great. <laughs> okay, so we know TikTok, right? We don't have to back up that far. No, we know TikTok. Okay. I don't like it, but I know it. We, I know, we it know of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've heard stories. There's a hashtag, BookTok, B-O-O-K-T-O-K. And it is an entire segment of TikTok where people are just posting video reviews of books that they're reading. Mm. They show the book cover, they put their star rating, things they liked about the book, things they didn't like about the book. And you get multiple hashtags. So they can do, you know, hashtag book talk, hashtag book talk about whatever. I told you I was just doing this like keyword research for this presentation I'm doing in a couple hours. And book talk about hope, 177,000 searches in the last month and only 142 competition. Wow. Wait, only 142 competition. What does that mean? Only 142 books have used that particular keyword phrase, book talk about hope. Oh, got it. I thought that was like some sort of proprietary ranking. That's cool. That's high volume, low competition right there. High volume, low competition. Exactly. So, you know, this book with the Parkinson's husband caregiving, is it really book talk about hope? I don't know, but that's 177,000 people. I might kind of want to go for that anyway. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get seven keyword phrases. So I might choose six that are a little bit more relevant. And then, I mean, heck, a big one. It's like book talk about hope. That's huge. That's a cool hack. I feel like this doesn't just apply to books. This is all of e-com. Do all products have seven categories? I don't do e-com. I just do books. I don't know. Mm. Man, for our e-commerce store owners, I would look into that. And ask yourself that question. Is this cross applicable? Because if so, that's huge. Yeah. Well, we use the example of Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, they're actually four deep. It's suspense, drama, passionate, sensual. Each one of those. Mm. Like, there's a great example. (laughs) And obviously, Mm. they moved right up the ranks, went from sensual all the way to suspense. And they're, you know, one of the top ranked for suspense. So, it's like exactly what you're saying. There's some pretty hefty nuggets throughout this entire episode here. If you were thinking about writing a book or you've got a book that's out there right now, I would suggest listening to this episode maybe a second time on uh, 2x speed. 
Apparently, I sound like a chipmunk on 2x speed. And Kasim, you, we all do. you sound like a screeching seagull, somebody told me, on 2x. Screeching seagull. Yeah, that, that was it. But it's like maybe it was not two and a half a normal seagull, not like an, a yeah. well-adjusted seagull. Well, it's probably the seagull that's like sitting on a hot roof in Arizona. So he is screeching <laughs> a bit. I do want to give just a reassurance for all the hardcore traffic folks who are like, but we didn't talk about book funnels yet. I think book funnels are super relevant. However, I would go back to like Amazon's your foundational piece because mm. everyone's going to refer back to Amazon. Yeah. If you're on stage or if they see your book in a book funnel, a lot of them are still going to go to Amazon just to see what your reviews are. I think that's a huge takeaway though. Just the fact that I would think, all right, I want to own it. I want to do my own book funnel on my own site. Nah, screw Amazon. No, you're saying like, Amazon runs the show. You might as well just <laughs> accept the fact that we are living in Jeff Bezos' world right now. And if you want to sell a book, you got to start there. I think there's hope for the future of a different way to sell books. There's no hope. There could be, a, bo- there so could be a book in that. I think yeah. there could be. The hope category. I appreciate the positive optimism, but there's no way. Bezos is going to own us all. Like we're 100% his slaves now. Yeah. I think if we could ever get like an open, like a truly open source e-reader, like where you could scan a QR code, pay for a book and the book just appears on your e-reader, like that would be, that would change the whole game. Why doesn't that exist? That feels like such an amazing Mm. value prop. Amazon buys them up. Really? They buy the technology up. Of course they. So all I got to do is launch an e-reader and Bezos is going to buy it? I don't know for sure. Please don't invest lots of money. Business <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Business Morgan idea. told me. Yeah. Definitely she don't come said. back and leave a bad review if you do that. <laughs> so you funny. can write a book on it. Please, uh, please, please come back and, yeah. yeah. Courting Bezos. Courting Bezos. I'm sure that would, <laughs> I'm sure that would yes. rank highly in whatever category it is, even if you're four deep. Well, this has been amazing having you on Perpetual Traffic, and we certainly have to talk. So there's no doubt about that. Where can people find you? What's the best way for people to connect with Morgan Gist McDonald? You can go to paperravenbooks.com. That's our company website. I have a quiz there that's about self-publishing and traditional publishing and how to know what's right for you. We didn't even get into the different types of publishing, but there's a lot of types of publishing out there. If you've got questions about what's good for your book, that quiz will help you out. And then I'm on the socials either as Morgan G. Mac or Morgan Gist McDonald. So I'd love to, love to see you guys out there on the social media world and feel free to hit me up with any questions. That's awesome. Well, fabulous. Thank you for coming on today's show. Make sure that you, the Perpetual Traffic listener, leave a rating for Morgan for Perpetual Traffic wherever you are listening. Don't do it for me and Cosm because nobody really cares about us. They only care if about us. If they were going to do it for us, they would have already done it. Yeah, yeah it's things. just we're barking up the Clearly same tree they here. do not love us. Yeah, they don't, but that's all right. We're neglected. It's all right. We just keep doing this a couple of times a week. We're now having a third show. That's being Are interjected really? in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm exhausted. Uh, I know. You're already tired. And of course, we're on perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And the tubes. that's the tubes. We're on the tubes right now. And if you can't find us, just look for our smiling faces. There are a couple of other perpetual traffics on there. Custom smiling more than I am on the picture. But anyway, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And of course, let us know what we can do better at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. But most importantly, leave us a rating or review on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, peace. 
There you go. There he is. That was my screeching seagull. Screeching seagull. (laughs) (laughs) Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 